I worked in the steel mill in Kansas City for 32 years. And then Mitt Romney and Bain Capital came in and took the place over and eventually shut it down. We lost our jobs. They made millions. Businesses, they were all gone. Jobs we'll never see again. Mitt Romney wants to call himself a job creator. Mitt Romney doesn't care about jobs. He cares about money. What you just heard was Move On Org's latest ad on Mitt Romney. This is Peter Bergman, and this is the January 6, 2012 edition of Radio Free Oz. You've got Oz in your ears. Yeah, that's quite some ad. This guy Bob Box walks around what looks like an anti-tourist ad for the Rust Belt. You know, Bain Capital is going to haunt Mitt Romney during the entire campaign if, and I say if he becomes the candidate and isn't swept out by some dark horse in the convention or some other strange happening, this whole thing about Romney the job creator is going to be tipped against Romney the job destroyer. Yeah, Romney's got money problems. He's got too much of it, and he won't reveal how much he pays in taxes. The only presidential candidate in recorded history, recent history, that hasn't revealed his tax information, he's going to have to. It's going to become a huge issue. It's kind of like the Democrats' birther issue. Show us your tax reform. Are you really an American? Romney still says he's unlikely to publicly release this information, even if he gets the nomination. And um, Democrats have a pretty good idea why, because Romney is a poster child for what they call the Buffett rule. Obama's principle that the tax code should make it impossible for a person like great wealth to pay lower taxes than we ordinary people. DNC knows, uh, policy wonks know it, Romney certainly knows it, but reasons are technical and illustrate how different Romney is from the vast majority of Americans who still cast votes. Uh, he's the man who said he was unemployed, the man who said corporations are people, the guy who says, I'm basically middle class. Well, one tax expert told Talking Point's memo, a fairly sophisticated tax strategy that would be not available to ordinary taxpayers but available to Mr. Mid of the 1%, a technique that puts you in a position that's like having an unlimited 401k account sounds very attractive, but maybe not if you're running for office for Pete's sake. Gee, I guess that's for my sake. When Romney jokes that he's been unemployed for years, he's obscuring the fact that he's still collecting millions of dollars of investment income, which is taxed at a much lower rate than it would be if, like most taxpayers, he took home a regular paycheck. 2010, he and his wife made between 1.1 and 2.8 million just in royalties, salary, speaking fees, and interest, most of which was likely taxed at a marginal rate of 35%, like the rest of us Joes. After accounting, of course, for deductions, the Romneys made an additional 5.5 to 37.3 million. We're not sure. What? The difference of like $33 million take or give a penny? They made that from dividends and capital gains, which is generally taxed at a much lower rate, 15%. Now, assuming that Romney declared roughly the same number of deductions as others in his income level, and that his dividend and capital gains income qualified for the 15% bracket. You know he can pay enough accountants and lawyers to make sure that happens. Romney would have paid roughly 14% of his gross income in taxes to the federal government in 2010. This is going to haunt him. 
the 99 percenters are going to ask to look at the one percenters tax form. Show us your form, birth certificate, income tax form. Which is more substantial? We'll just have to wait and see. On his own, Romney and Bain Capital. And you know, I was thinking, Bain, that's you know, your Bain, your negative Moira, the your, your bad fate. Will Bain Capital be his Bane? Should he have renamed it Albatross Capital? Who knows? Well, Romney wasn't the only one killing jobs. The government shed a whole lot of jobs in the last year. In fact, for government and also financial sector employees, last year was a particularly bad one, and 2012 likely won't be much better. More jobs were lost in the government sector than any other industry in 2011. This is according to a report just released by an outplacement company, Challenger, Gray, and Christmas. My golly, I tell you, this world is just filled with implication. We outsource jobs, Challenger, Gray, and Merry Christmas. The financial industry came in second, followed by the retail sector. So government first, finance second, and retail third in shedding jobs. All in all, Job cuts rose 14% in 2011, topping more than 600,000 by year's end. It is perhaps the last piece of bad news to come out of a year in which unemployment remained high, poverty grew more widespread, and the economy came close to sliding back into a full-fledged recession. Or at least it was kept out of a full-fledged recession because everybody agreed, including the weasels in the press and the spin doctors on K Street and people in the White House, that we just don't call this an R. This is a coming out of the R. This is a slow out of the R, but don't use the R word. And if you use the D word, you toast. Government alone cut 183,064 jobs last year. That's the most in nine years, okay? Those layoffs account for 30% of the year's 606,000 total job cuts. And why? It's no surprise. Tax revenues are dwindling. There's less work out there. The foreclosure crisis is horrendous. A lot of government makes their money from property tax. The value of property is going down since the 2008 criminal swindle. So down go the tax revenues. It's a vicious cycle. Down goes employment. Who's the first to get unemployed? The government. They're paid by tax revenues. We have to do something about this, but what exactly is available to us? The House of Representatives, the majority of the House of Representatives, and the filibustering minority in the Senate keep the Obama administration from coming forward with any kind of stimulus program, anything that will put people back to work. So until we throw those bums out, and not that there aren't a lot of bums on the other side with a big D on their name, you know, like blue Ds, the fact is we aren't going to get anything done until we cleanse all of those Calvinistic reprobates out of Congress. Ha! Fondly to be desired. You know, it looks like Obama has decided to paste some on. Yeah, he made a series of recess appointments, considered a bold move and really pissing off the Republicans, although both Bushes and Reagan put in a lot more people through recess appointment than Obama. I think he only did 28 last year. But you know, that man, and I certainly believe this, that when he came to office, he did expect to get some sort of comedy, some sort of reaching across the aisle so we could solve the terrible economic problems that we faced. And they just wouldn't do it. 
in fall of 2010, Obama stood up and said, my fault, mea culpa. When I took office, I thought I was going to get some sort of help from the other side, and we haven't been able to bring that cooperation forward. My fault. Well, you know what he did during the recess? Of course, the Republicans tried to keep the so-called recess out of his hands by having three or four bozos create desultory sessions of Congress. He'd come there, hammer them in, gavel them out. Off they went to where? Somewhere in Georgetown to sit and drink and make fun of the not me. Well, guess what? A couple of days ago, Obama appointed Richard Corday as the new director of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. It's fabulous. That's a bureau that Elizabeth Warren put together, but they denied her the directorship. What's even more fabulous is that number one in his paste them on aggressive new Obama go get those guys campaign happened at my high school. He made the announcement at Shaker Heights High School. I just love it. You know, the Republicans are really pissed off. We're going to go to court. This is a tyranny. Well, says Jay Carney, the White House press secretary. He, Obama, nominated Richard Corday six months ago. He won a majority of support in the Senate, yet Republicans refused to allow an up or down vote. This is a shame. And this power struggle between the financial sector, yeah, and its check-cashing, card-carrying customers has developed into one of the fault lines along which the political parties are playing out their rivalries as the election year arrives. The Republicans handed Obama this issue. He hasn't been that far left on the whole idea. I mean, I don't think he's had a credit card problem in his life. I don't know if he really connects, but... Here it is, man. They tried to screw him over, and he's finally gotten pissed off. And it's only going to get hotter. And he did it at my high school! All right, on a lighter note, we gotta get light. We gotta see the light through the dark. It appears that X-Men aren't human. I've seen one of those films. Maybe I've seen twice. I figured it out. They aren't human. They're actors. Well, while the X-Men would like nothing better than to be accepted as brethren by the humans they protect, the United States Court of International Trade finally ruled, after years of debate, that the X-Men do not count as humans, at least as far as importing toys is concerned. The debate entailed a series of court cases going back over 10 years. Toy Biz, the company producing X-Men toys, imported the iconic mutant action figures from China and noticed that the X-Men drew higher tariffs than other toys. As it turns out, tariffs relating to dolls, i.e. representing only human beings and parts and accessories thereof, what parts, what accessories, limbs in the mail, were higher, the taxes were higher, the tariffs were higher than those for non-human toys. Toy Biz took the case to court and argued that the X-Men, and by extension, Spider-Man, the Fantastic Four, and other Marvel hero toys, represented metahumans, mutants, aliens, and other in human entities. The cases went back and forth for a few years and had trouble arriving at a universal answer. While the court at one point decided that the X-Men counted as non-humans, it maintained that their adversary, the Silver Samurai, was subject to the doll tariffs. Marvel fans are sure to scratch their heads at this one since the Silver Samurai is as much a mutant as the X-Men themselves. Perhaps there's a couple of, like, surfer dudes on that international tariff and trade organization. Yeah, one says to the other, them X-Men nothing but mangy mutants, but Silver Samurai, man, he's in the tube. It's like glass. 
See you on Monday. Don't forget to go up to Radio Free Oz and become an Oz and Ear. It's a real help. Have a great weekend.